This podcast was brought to you by Pastor Mike Calstrip and Fellowship Church. For more information, visit thefellowship.church. Did y'all bring a Bible with you this morning? Let's open our Bibles. John's Gospel, chapter 14. If you brought a Bible, praise God. Glory to God. If you got a device, I guess that'll work too. Amen. Yeah, you also spread out. I'm just waiting for the day, glory to God, when we can <clears throat> cluster. It's a very unusual thing. Oh, thanks. Did I have my rooster tail up or what? Well, it doesn't matter. Okay, anyway, praise the Lord. John chapter 14. Um, this morning, as most of you know, you should have a communion um, container there for uh, you to participate with us uh, today in communion. If you don't, uh, we're certainly happy to accommodate you with that and, and provide one with you, uh, or for you, I should say, um, uh, as we get a little later into the service or something. So hopefully you've picked one of those up on the way in. But uh, let's go ahead and pray together, and then I'll share some things that I think will be a blessing to you today. Father, we love you so much. So grateful for your promise. Thank you, Father, that you never change. Just as you said in your word, even Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Hallelujah. We thank you that you're bound by your word, Father, that you watch over it to perform it, that you cannot lie. It's not that you don't, it's just that you cannot. And so we just thank you, Father God, for every eternal promise that you have allowed to escape your lips, that which you've said you would do. We thank you, Father God, for Jesus' soon return. We know he's coming again, Father, and we do live with the anticipation and the hope, Father, of his coming. And so, Father, we thank you that we, being different as children of God from the rest of the world, Father, can live with joy, that we can live with peace, and, Father God, that we can enjoy everything that heaven has to afford. So we thank you for that, Father God. We pray today that if there are those that are here today that are living their lives in heaviness, if there's burdens upon them, Father, that don't belong there, that today, Father, that they will make the decision as children of God to let those things go. You said, Father, to come to you. Everyone that labors, everyone that's heavy laden, you said you'd give them rest. You said to take your yoke upon us and learn of you because you are meek and lowly of heart. And Father, you said that we would find rest for our souls. I believe that, Father, and I trust that all that are here today believe it as well. And so, Father God, we thank you for your grace, your blessing in our lives. As we look to you, that as we intentionally, Father, turn our gaze and our focus, Father God, upon the one who purchased us with his own blood. And so we thank you for that, Father, in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Praise God forevermore. Amen. Praise God. Let's look at this verse of Scripture. Most of the time you hear this at a funeral. Aren't you glad we're not at a funeral? How many of you don't care what we're doing? No, okay. Yeah. Most of the time, this is what you, the context that you hear this verse in. But, uh, you know, there's a lot more to it than that. As a matter of fact, uh, <clears throat> there is a sense in which it doesn't have a thing in the world to do with a funeral, although, you know, it can bring comfort uh, to those that hear it. Notice with me something Jesus said in verse 1 of the 14th chapter. He said, let not your heart be what? Be what? He said, do not let 
your heart be troubled. Now, let me ask you an important question. Who does that? You do. You know, he said, you don't let your heart be troubled. So much of the time, you know, when people get into, you know, and, and, and understand what I, the context of this, I understand, you know, that we, we face difficulty, that difficulty threatens, it challenges, and so on and so forth. But, but in the context of that, we have to listen to what, you know, Jesus and God the Father tells us to do in the middle of that <clears throat> threat or that storm. Isn't that right? So he said, don't let your heart be troubled. I find it so interesting when Jairus came to him and his daughter was about to die and, and he said, I'll come and heal her. And, and in the middle of all that, they got, there was a lot of distractions. There was a lot of interruptions. And before it was all over with, some people came from Jairus's house and <clears throat> said, don't trouble the master any further. Your, your, your daughter is dead. And then the Bible says that when Jesus heard that, he immediately turned to Jairus and said, don't be afraid, just believe. Hallelujah. You know, so when you're in the middle of the storm, you better be listening to what he's saying to you, amen? Well, how about the rest of you? Are you interested in buying into that concept? Yeah, you have to hear what it is that he's saying. So Jesus is talking to these disciples, and you got to understand that they're, they're, they're facing their own crisis, you know, Jesus is saying, I'm going to go and pay the price on the cross at Calvary, and I'm not going to be with you much anymore, and all of these things, you know, he says, because I've said these things to you, you know, you know, uh, trouble has filled your heart. So he says, don't let your heart be troubled. How many of you know that when things in life look like they're all coming unraveled and you got no place to go, that God has a way? I mean, there's things that God, I was just talking to my wife, you know, and so many times we look at things, you know, and, 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 you know, it doesn't, it's not going the direction we think it should or whatever the case might be, but, but God has a way that, that in the end, he's going to make a way where there is none. You, you with me? And so, um, you know, you have to understand that, um, there's a God in heaven that is infinitely interested in you as, as a believer and child of God. So he says, don't let your heart be troubled. He said, you believe in God, believe also in me. He said that in my father's house, there are many mansions. If it weren't so, I would have told you. But I am going to prepare a place for you. Did you know that as a child of God, I mean, we have no concept. I mean, it's inconceivable for any of us to even imagine what it is that's awaiting us. You know, God gives us little glimpses. You know, we have a little bit of, you know, a, a view of what heaven, but, but, but not much. But, but Jesus said, I am going uh, before you to prepare a place for you. Huh? Everybody say the best is yet to come. Now, you know, we live so much in the natural, you know, we can't, like I said, necessarily get our hearts or our heads wrapped around it. But, but this is, he said, I go to prepare a place for you. Now, this is the good news. He says, if I go, which we all know he did, he said, I will come again. And I will receive you unto myself so that you can be with me where I am. Hallelujah. Everybody say, thank God for the promise of heaven. 
Now, the reason I share this scripture, with, well, there's a lot of reasons, but maybe I'll just kind of hold that back here and, and share uh, a few thoughts with you. Way back at, uh, not the turn of this century, but the one before it, the 1900s, and 19, actually December the 17th, 1903, that's before most of us was born, 10.30 in the morning, Orville Wright secured his place in history by executing the first powered and sustained flight from level ground. For 12 gravity-defined seconds. Hallelujah. Doesn't that sound right? Cool. For 12 seconds, he flew 120 feet on the dunes of the Outer Banks of North Carolina. Now, in the field of aviation, this, what they had accomplished, was the beginning. You know, today we enjoy, you know, the results of all of that and different things of that nature. But, you know, uh, for Orville and Wilbur, it was the end of a long and a tedious journey. A journey initiated by a dream common to every little boy, and that is the desire to fly. But what most children abandon to the dominance of fantasy, or to the domain of fantasy, I should say, Orville and Wilbur seized upon it as a potential reality. In other words, and, and I see this so often, you guys, in people's lives. You know, they dream about possibilities within their lives, but somehow it ends up in the domain of fantasy. It gets lost. But, you know, there'll be those that they hang on to that dream, and it becomes a potential reality. And I tell you what, praise God, I believe God's put dreams in all of our hearts. In spite of everything that's going on within the world, I mean, you know, God's plans for us hasn't changed. Remember, Jesus said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. God has some plans, hallelujah, not only in the next life, but in this life. But if you're not careful, you can allow the things that are around you to overwhelm your thinking, your behaviors, your thought life, all these different kinds of things. But I'm telling you, I'm encouraging you to, today, don't ever let that happen. Don't ever do that, you know. In this story, <clears throat> you know, the Bible, or not the Bible, but these guys, they believed that they could fly, you know. And as a result of that, uh, more than that, really, they believed that they should fly. So here's these two little beaters, you know. Actually, uh, there's a story Wilbur describes, you know, as far as what gave birth to uh, this vision. And it said, you know, he said, our personal interests in aviation dates back uh, to our childhood or from our childhood days. He said late in the summer of 1878, so this would have been 25 years prior to the actual get off the ground and fly, 25 years prior to that, our father came into the house one evening with some, some object partly concealed in his hands, and before we could see what it was, he tossed it into the air. And instead of falling to the floor as we expected, it flew across the room till it, it struck the ceiling where it fluttered a while and then finally sank to the floor. It was a little toy known to scientists as a helicopter, you know, um, but which uh, we, with sublime uh, disregard for science, at once dubbed it a bat, you know. So it goes on in this story, it says that it was a light frame of cork and bamboo covered with paper which formed two screws driven in opposite directions by rubber bands under torsion. A toy so delicate lasted only a short time in the hands of two small boys. 
but its memory was abiding. And that's something that he would, he would draw back to a time in their childhood where dad brought this toy home and they looked at this thing and said, man, we want to do that. Isn't that cool? You know, and that experience, you know, it, it really, it sparked an insatiable desire within their heart to fly. And the only thing they lacked was the means, huh? And so they went to work removing the obstacles that stood between them and their dream. I'd like to ask you this morning, maybe are there some obstacles that you need to remove between you and your dream? Things you desire, things you want to do, things that people say can't be done or, you know, shouldn't be done. You know, there's a lot of stuff that people say should be done. We've done it anyway. Are you listening to me? Hallelujah. You know, it goes on to say that as a result, their vision uh, that they had, they engineered something that paved the way for the first manned flight. Not just too many weeks ago, we watched SpaceX go blast off. You know, it was a privately owned uh, launch, you know, that took uh, a couple guys up to the space station. Matter of fact, last week, if you knew about it, you could watch the space station in the western uh, uh, horizon. Did anybody of you watch that? Did anybody know about that? Does anybody care about that? Okay. Well, there were only about a three, four-minute window, but it was there, you know, for people to be able to see. So anyway, you might uh, look it up if you want to watch something go past real fast. Hallelujah. When I was a little kid, I've shared this story before, but I was probably 12, 13 years old, and I had a, a, a good friend of mine, you know, we just hung out buddies, you know, and did whatever. And I can remember going to his house different times, and <clears throat> there was a, like a moped. It was a, a pedal bike, but it had a motor on it. And it was really dilapidated. It was leaning up against the house. And, you know, there were a bunch of bushes and weeds and whatever. And, you know, and, and I can remember distinctly the thing sitting there in disrepair and just kind of, you know, all rusty and didn't really amount to much. But, you know, it was kind of interesting, you know, for a kid, you know, back in the 60s. And, and uh, <clears throat> one day, uh, this friend of mine, he grabbed this thing and pulled it out of the weeds and started cleaning it up and looking around. He, he ended up putting a motor on it and this and that and the other, and he came riding that thing up into my yard. And I said, I want me one of them. My son did the same thing. You know, I told my kids, I'll buy you any kind of dirt bike, four-wheeler, anything you want, but I ain't buying you no motorcycle. Until you get out of the house, you can do that, you know, whatever. As soon as he got out of the house, dude, he went and bought him a motorcycle. And so he comes driving up my driveway on this motorcycle, and he says, well, I guess I'm going to go have fun and ride. So he goes off, and I start pouting. <laughs> I'm thinking to myself, my kid's going to go off, you know, and do whatever. So I had to go buy me one. Hallelujah. <laughs> we went together. He, he and I went together, and we looked at this motorcycle. I said, so what do you think about this bike? And he says, if you don't buy it, I will. Well, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I can let him buy it. So it was a lot of fun. Anyway, back to the other story. My friend, he pulls in in my yard, and he's got this thing, and I'm thinking, wow. You know, it's back during the time of Peter Fonda. Most of you probably don't know anything about him. Easy rider. But, you know, the whole imagery, you know, going down the road, long hair, free, you know, just whatever. There's a lot of other stuff in there that's not too good. But anyway, you get the point. And so, you know, you think about two little kids, you know, and the possibility of being able to, you know, emulate that or be like that or whatever. And I said, man, I have got to have me one of those. And I was driven by it. I went to my dad and said, Dad, I want you to buy me a mini bike. He said, I ain't buying you no mini bike. And I said, why? He says, because you'll get in trouble. And I did. You know, he was right about that. But you know, just because somebody doesn't want you to do something doesn't mean you can't do it. 
Now this is, you know, you parents are probably not going to like this, but hey, I'm just telling you that what a dream in your heart can do. So I had no means, but just because you don't have any means doesn't mean it can't happen. You still here? I had a bicycle, I had a three-speed, you know, a little Stingray bicycle, and, and I just decided to offer it up on the altar of a mini bike. And so I, I set it up on the table, and I tore all the stuff off that didn't belong there, and I had to take a, a hacksaw, and I cut the a pipe out of the middle of it, which structurally was kind of important, as I later learned. But anyway... You know, I was willing, you got to be, you know, when you got a passion and a dream to try to do, you know, not try, but to do something, uh, you know, they're, 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 it, it costs you something, you know, you got to get after it, you know, and so I took the mini bike and I destroyed it. And, uh, but then I didn't, you know, I needed a back wheel and I needed this and that. And I, I went down to the hardware and I was digging around in the back, man, I found buried treasure in that hardware, you know, way back in the back, I find this wheel and and a sprocket, and I bought it for, I think, 15 bucks or something like that. One thing, but I didn't have a motor. Dad, I, you need to buy me a motor. <laughs> he said, I ain't buying you no motor. You know, well, I scrounged one up. It was a piece of junk, but it ran. Everybody say hallelujah. hallelujah. Yeah, it ran, you know. Burned oil. I mean, that thing was, yeah, it died on me out in the middle of nowhere. But anyway, um, but here's the thing, I guess I'm trying to, you know, I had, you know, how many of you ever grew up with a security blanket? I had a blanket that was mine, you know, it was green and it had, uh, it had this, this cowboy theme to it. It had all these different uh, branding uh, signs on it and had a little rope that went through it and everything. And I needed something to cover my seat, you know, and I didn't have anything. So I had this piece of plywood. I found some piece of foam someplace and I offered my security blanket up, man. Baby, I don't know what it was. I built tents. I built tents with it all the time, you know, but it, it, you know, you repurpose stuff, don't you, in your life? And so I used it to wrap this, you know, board with a piece of foam rubber on it. And I made a seat, you know, and uh, you say, where are you going with this? Well, just stay with me. It's a good story. Come on, you know, and so, sure enough, he, all of a sudden, dude, he and I, my friend and I, we're driving down the gravel roads together, and we're going to places that other people don't get to go. We're not walking. We're riding our mini bikes, you know? And uh, remember that thing I told you that my dad said I'd get in trouble? Yeah. Jumped out on Highway 92 there in the good old, you know, community of trainer, and we're just going to go up the way here a ways. It was a lot easier than doing the whole whatever, and I no more than got on that road, and a highway patrolman came right up over the hill. So he's following me, and I'm behind. The other, my friend, he's in front of me. He never stopped. Guy turns on his lights, you know. I got to pull, you know, I got to pull in this driveway. He gets out. Finally, my friend comes back. I think he did. Well, anyway, make long story short, before school, uh, one morning, I had to go to the Justice of the Peace with my dad to pay a fine for being someplace I was not supposed to be with my motorcycle, or my motorcycle, my minibike. And, um, and um, so my dad 
we get in this place, and you know, and I'm I'm spooked, man. I ain't, you know, I've never been picked up for anything, and I'm gonna go, and I don't know what's going on. There's fear and trepidation going on all over the place. My daddy goes in there and drags me in there with him. You know, we sit down. He says, "Well, hello, Jack. You know, they're you're talking, talk, and whatever. You know, because they were competitors in the community. They they both owned bars." You know, my dad had a dance hall, and he had, and Jack had a, he was a justice of the peace, but he had this bar, and so they're talking, you know, and doing whatever it is they do. And they say, "Well, we probably had to get figured out what's going on here," you know, and and uh, so the justice of the peace charged me, i.e., Dad, fifteen dollars for violating whatever it was. So we're driving down out of the the justice of the peace's uh, house going down this hill, steep hill where the house was. And my dad just turned to me and he says, don't ever do that again. That's all he ever said. So I said, okay, I'll try not to get caught. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you know, what are you going to do? It wasn't going to stop what I was doing. You know what I'm saying? Hallelujah. You You say, is that really a good story? I think it's a great story. Okay. The reason being is, is that, you know, so many of us in our lives, we have these dreams, but we also have obstacles. You know, it might be the dream for a particular, you know, uh, 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 what you envision as a family. It might be a career. It could be something that you desire, maybe a new home. It may be all different kinds of things, you know, uh, maybe, you know, uh, an ambition that you have, you know, with kingdom business or ministry in mind and different things like that. It doesn't really make any difference what it is you're talking about. We all have to face these obstacles. There's always going to be challenges. You know, Wilbur and his brother, you know, they're trying to figure out how to get this thing off the ground. Well, they worked and they worked and they worked and they worked and they did it. I was trying to figure out a way so that I could enjoy, you know, going down a road on a mini bike, you know, and you just have to work and work and work and work and work till you get it. Am I in the right house? You know, and so when it comes to your life, why do I say that? I say it because there's so many times in our lives that there are things that try to stand between us and what it is that we have as a desire within our heart. And there will always be obstacles that stand between you and the reality of your dream. You know, but hallelujah, you can overcome them. Am I in the right house? Amen. You know, uh, we, my wife and I, <clears throat> we drove down. No, I think we flew down to Tulsa uh, to attend our niece's uh, wedding on you know, 12th or 13th of March. On the 15th of March, my son calls me and says, we're not having church. And uh, so there was no church. And we, from that point, got shut down. How many of you know what I'm talking about? And so all of a sudden, we're not doing anything. And, and, but, but, you know, the worst, it, it just got worse. Well, the original intent behind all of this is so that the medical, uh, uh, the hospitals and things wouldn't be overwhelmed, but it morphed into a whole lot more than that. You know, it got weaponized and all kinds of things, you know, and what it is that we're experiencing. It's wild. Wildest thing you've ever seen, isn't it? Because you've never seen it before. But you know, just because all this is going on, that doesn't mean that God's plan for your life has changed. Are you listening to me? So, but if you get yourself fixated on it, then you won't be, because our dream, our vision for 2020, you know, was a threefold thing that we were going to really work on our families. We were going to work on personal uh, uh, development, spiritually speaking, you know, for people, personal growth. And we're going to talk about, and and we had a third thing about impacting the world that is around us. Well, all that just got put on, you know, it, it all got stopped. 
We're standing around staring at one another going, okay, now what do we do? And so we had to figure out how we could, you know, continue to com- uh, communicate with all of you and provide content for children and, and youth and so on and so forth. And then we had a myriad of other things that went on. We had, you know, uh, uh, personnel matters, you know, that we weren't expecting came our way. All kinds of obstacles. But you know what? God's plan doesn't change. And, you know, the, the reality is, is that, you know, no matter what it is that you're doing in your life, you're going to face challenges, but you have to learn to keep going. Are you with me? You know, and I tell you what, praise God, when God puts a dream in your heart, you just don't let go of it. Are you listening to me? Hallelujah. And if you need a good dream, I tell you what, praise God, he's the one that can do it. Amen. But so I guess the point I'm saying is, is the vision hasn't changed, even though we've faced these things in the last 10 weeks or however, however long. But you know, it's still in my heart. We're going to make it happen. You know, we had things lined up. We had, a, we had a marriage seminar that was planned with Joe McGee. We wanted to sow into the lives of, of couples where their marriages were concerned and help them to grow and develop, you know, and, and, and teach them the Word of God, give them the principles and the tools that they need in order to succeed, to thrive, to, to enjoy life, to be blessed. Well, it all, it all blew up, but you know what? Praise God, we can still do it. Are you listening to me? We have visions, you know, I mean, we have as a part of our vision to help missionaries. You know, missionaries right now, they've, they've suffered under the same circumstances. And I tell you what, praise God, we're going to give the devil a black eye. And we're going to do things that we can support these missionaries that will catapult them beyond where they were. You know, hallelujah, I'm just not after, you know, uh, recovery. I'm after restoration, recovery, and advancement of what it is that God wants us to do. You know, right now, we're already thinking about, talking about, you know, strategically how, you know, what, what kind of things can we do to start impacting the lives of people, you know, that are in need around us in the, you know, this, I mean, we've been having church for over like a month and nobody else is having church. They say, well, how's that going? I said, it's going great. Are you listening to me? You know, what are we so spooked about? You know? And, and the thing about it is, is that, you know, so much of this, you know, fills people with fear. God has not given us the spirit of fear. Now, I'm not talking about being foolish, but I'm, I'm telling you that this thing has gotten way out of whack. Are you listening to me? I was just talking to a, a friend of mine, you know, um, in Des Moines, and his son works down in Winston-Salem, uh, is that North Carolina? South Carolina. Well, whatever it is. And they're not, the, the company is huge. They're not going back to work till January 1. They got a, they got a lease on a building that they have right now that they're, they're paying a million dollars a month and there's not one person in that building. You say, well, that is amazing. Now, you got to understand there's a lot more going on than what you realize. Because there are corporations that are rethinking this whole deal about brick and mortar. And how they can do business without it. And so they're in no hurry to do anything. But this is the thing you got to understand. 40 million people aren't working anymore. And small businesses are dropping like flies. And there's a lot of people, you guys, they don't care. And I'm kind of on a rant right now. And I don't know how I got over here. But anyway. Well, I guess I do know why I got here. I want us to open up our eyes. 
do some thinking. That, that to me is probably the most amazing thing, and that is, is how people have, for lack of a better way of saying it, just laid down. It's crazy, you know? You, you go and talk to people, you know anybody that's got coronavirus? And most of them will say no, or they might say one, or something like that. Well, and, and for the most part, you know, the person hasn't passed away. They had to go through it or whatever the case might be. Now, again, I know there are risks, and I know that there are people whose susceptibility is much greater. And I, I, I get that. Though for those, they, they need to do whatever it is. But, man, come on. You know? Am I in the right house? But the thing about it is, is I guess my point to this is, is that, you know, you can't allow things that are not valid, completely valid, for lack of a better way of saying it, to keep you from what it is that God's called you to do. Amen? Amen. You know, different things like that. So I'll probably get in trouble for all my comments, but you know the reality is, is <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> it's, if it's valid, I'm okay. But I am not going to get pigeonholed by some ideology that's trying to control me. And that's what they've done. They've controlled the church. You know, when I talk to, you know, different leaders and churches and stuff, you know, they're finally kind of coming back online, you know, and, and I'm just asking myself, what are we doing here? You know, we've been at this for five weeks. And some of them, they still, they're not, you know, I know I got friends, you know, that I mean, they're still up into June, July, wherever, you know, and I, I don't get it, okay? And so I think it's important for us to rethink some things, amen. So I'm saying all of that to just simply say, what about your personal vision, you know? What, what, what about you? Well, you know, we've been home, man. We've been, we've been holed up, you know, and, and uh, you know, I probably got more done being holed up, <laughs> I have in my life. I worked harder the last two months than I have, and I don't know how long. Opportunity, man. Are you listening to me? Glory to God. So, in, in other words, you know, if there are certain things you can't do, find something else to do. Does this make sense to you? And I tell you what, you know, so, so again, you know, what about, what about you? What about where you're at? What do you, I mean, some people, they kind of like it because, man, they don't have to change clothes. They don't have to look good. They don't have to shave. They don't have to do nothing, man. They just stay home, grub out, you know? Well, the truth of the matter is, is that can be a little bit detrimental too in a lot of ways, you know, but all of a sudden, you know, you got this attitude where we're, you know, let's just live in the grunge, you know? Hallelujah. I just say this, heaven wants you to revitalize yourself. Let's get out of this funk, you guys. Come on. Revitalize your vision, your dream, that that God has for your life, you know. And not only that, you guys, but yeah, we're coming to the end. Jesus is returning, you know, and, and he said, occupy till I come. He said, be busy about the Father's business. He said, you know, and he used all these stories. You read them. Read them in Matthew and Luke and different ones where he talked about, you know, that, that the, uh, the landlord or the uh, noble, he took off, you know, and he gave everybody this job and said, I want you to go out and praise God, occupy all I come. Do business till I return. 
Well, that's the story of Jesus. He said it at the right hand of the Father, and he's coming again, and he wants to make sure that when he returns, that you and I took what we had and turned it into something, that we didn't take it to the backyard and bury it. You know, that I taught my kids the Word of God, and they, they grew up and learned to love Him, and we made sure that we went to church so that they could be influenced, so that they could develop community and, and friendships with people of like precious faith, and we did this, and we did that, and we did the other, and God can say to you, Jesus can say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Instead of, well, you know, everything kind of flew, flew apart, and so we just kind of hid, that ain't going to fly. Are you listening to me? Yeah, there's obstacles, but I tell you what, thank God Jesus is Lord. Amen? How many are glad you came today? So in this story, Jesus said, don't let your heart be troubled. You believe in me, believe in God. He said, and if I go, I'm going to come again, and I'm going to receive you into myself so that you can be where I am. That is our privilege, child of God. You know, in other places, the Bible says, as it's written, eye has not seen nor ear heard, neither has entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those who love him. Now, did you hear that? I said that God is preparing or has things prepared for those that love him. Yeah, you think, well, you know, this is it. No, this is not it. This is like Orville, and, and uh, what's his name? His brother. This is the beginning. Are you with me? The things that he has prepared for us. Now, I, don't, I hope that that somehow or another, you know, stirs something within you and say, wow, God's got some things prepared for me. Yes, he does. Huh? I said, yes, he does. In another verse of Scripture, it says that in the ages to come, ages, uh, we're living in, a, in what we call the church age, a couple thousand years old. You get the privilege of being able to live in it for about 80 to maybe 100, depending on whatever it is you decide you're going to do, you know. In, within this age, you and I have the privilege of being able to live. But you know that there are ages uh, to come. I didn't make it up. It's in the Bible. So your life doesn't end when you stop breathing here, baby. You just move. Are you with me? So, so it's not just like, well, I'm just going to try to do the best I can, get as much out of whatever it is I can do right here, because after this, it's over. No, wrong. Uh-uh. Nanu, nanu. As they say in the Norwegian tongue, nai. I have a Norwegian son-in-law, by the way, and that's the word no in his language. Nai, nai. No. This is just the beginning. Woo, lift up your heads because your redemption is drawing near. Glory to God. Are you with me? So is there a reason for the child of God to have hope? Absolutely. Is there a reason for the child of God to rejoice? Absolutely. Praise God forevermore. Amen. So in this scripture it says that in the ages to come, it says, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us. So that in the ages to come, he's going to show us things. Stuff he's got prepared. Stuff you and I can't even begin to imagine. Is it worth living for Jesus? You better believe it. 
Is it, is it worth being faithful to him? You better believe it. Is it worth being the person you know that's wise about the counsel of God and applying it to your life? I will guarantee you the answer is yes. Because there's rewards coming, friends. There's plans God has for us. You know, I read that scripture all the time. Jeremiah, I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you, harm you not, to give you hope in the future. But you know, so much of the time it's, it's talked about in the context of this natural life. But dude, it isn't not over after this. He's got plans for us to prosper us, not to harm us, to give us a hope and a future that goes way past the last breath that you take upon this planet. So we have to, you know, you got to become more eternity kingdom-minded about what's going on within your life. Is there, is there a good reason to sacrifice? Is there a good reason to reach the loss? Is there a good reason to tell the story? I don't know if you know it or not, but I'm telling you, humanity, the world is sick. And when I say sick, they're sin sick. Sin is what is killing people in this world. It's what drives them to do what they're doing. Today, they're, 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 you know, amassing themselves, and they're coming down on our nation's capital, not for good. Are you with me? You know, I'm all for, you know, correcting things where law enforcement, I'm telling you, if you know a law enforcement person, you better let them know how much you appreciate them. If there is anybody that you know remotely on any level that is involved in law enforcement, let them know that you love them and appreciate them. I had a guy that I was talking to just yesterday, as a matter of fact, went to a little party and, and we're standing there and he was a corrections officer in the jail. And he's retired, he did it, and he did it for 31 years. And I said, I just want to thank you for what you did. Because who is it that goes and takes care of these kinds of things and deals with people that, again, are sin sick, that have to be controlled, that have to be incarcerated, all those different kinds of things? And now what do we want to do? I'm telling you, people, the, the, the world is crazy. They want to defund. They want to, you know, blame. Just because one person made a mistake and did something wrong, and, and, and we don't know all the story behind all of that. But they've weaponized it, and the whole world's gone crazy over it. Are you with me? Just like getting, a, you know, <laughs> I hate to say it, but once in a while you come up with a bad preacher. Well, because you got one bad preacher, does that make all the rest of them bad? Unfortunately, that's exactly what happens. Huh? I see, I see Rusty back there. Once in a while you can come, he's not, but once in a while you come up with a bad banker. But that doesn't make him a bad banker, does it, Rusty? No, absolutely not. But it's, un, it's unfortunate the way that people, you know, allow themselves to think, you know, in such a detrimental way. I got to tell you guys, I thank God for every person in law enforcement. But people want chaos. They want demise. They want, you know, revolution or whatever it is that they call. Man, they have no clue what they're asking for. Huh? So I'll say this. This didn't turn out at all like I planned, but anyway, you, you need to pray. Now, when I say that, I don't want you to think about it in the context that, yeah, man, wow, we need to pray. No, I'm saying you need to pray. Your prayers are effectual. We need God to move. 
You know, God can put a, I mean, he can turn the spigot off on this deal in just a heartbeat. If my people that are called by my name will humble themselves and pray. Isn't that right? Because our land needs healing because we've got sick people, sin sick people, you know, that, you know, um, not, not, uh, Franklin, you know, Graham, I mean, you know, I mean, they're coming against him hard. The stuff that he did down in New York with Samaritan's Purse was phenomenal. And I'm telling you what, they got railed on by people within the world for what it is that they were doing. They were maligned, they were talked evil about, and you probably don't know anything about it, but what I'm saying is, is that, you know, the gospel is under fire, but you know, the gospel is not bound. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of it, and neither are you, Amen. So praise God, you know, let's let his light shine while it can be shining in the world in which we live. Hallelujah. And then Jesus will come. Matter of fact, we got Morris coming. He's going to encourage you about the coming of Jesus in the end of January, or January, end of July. So y'all come. We're going to blow it up. You know, I, I hope that you'll come, but my real desire is to get as many people that are sitting around staring at all this and worrying that praise God, we can reach them with the gospel. Are you listening to me? You know, so y'all get ready. 26th, 7th, and 8th, I think it is, that, that Joe's going to be here. So it's going to be an awesome, awesome time. All right, well, anyway, uh, where were we? <laughs> oh, don't let current circumstances take you out and put you on the sidelines. Keep your eyes on the prize, you guys. Keep your eyes on what it is that God said he wants to do. Hallelujah. You know, you got a desire in your heart to reach your neighbor. Let's, 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 let's ramp it up. Let's do it. Hallelujah. Let's make it happen. Let's figure out ways that we can love them. Let's figure out ways that we can impact their lives, that we can do something different, you know, that'll, that'll help them and bless them. Keep your eyes on the prize. Here's something, if you turn with me to uh, Philippians chapter, uh, um, I think it's four, no, three. This is something Paul said. He said in verse 12, he said, Not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Did you know you got, you got caught by Jesus for a reason? Huh? I mean, you're not, you know, there's something. He captured you for a purpose. Hallelujah. Then it goes on as we read. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but there is one thing I do. Forgetting the things that are behind, reaching forth to the things that are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God that is in Christ Jesus. Let us therefore as many as be perfect be thus minded, and if in any uh, things you be otherwise minded, God will help you out, praise God, and get your thinking straight. Praise God. Jesus gave us, he gave us something to remember as we march down this path that we call life. When he was with his disciples, he said, uh, uh, as they were there at that last meal that they were having together, he chose a couple things on that table to represent his broken body and his shed blood. And he said, do this in remembrance of me. And I want to share that with you for just a few moments here because it, 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 it's, it's noteworthy for us to think about not just the here and now, but to realize what it is he did so that we could be here. Are you with me? And, and uh, in 1 Corinthians 11, if you would like to turn there, you're welcome to do so. In verse 23, when Paul was writing, he says, I received of the Lord that which also I delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, 
the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And after the same manner also he took the cup, and when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood, this do ye, now notice, as oft as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you show or proclaim the Lord's death. What's the next three words? Until what? Until he comes. Why do we have communion? Well, we have it as a memorial to him, right? What is it? He said, you know, do this, what? In remembrance of me. And how often are we to do it? Well, that's up to us. There's nothing in the Bible that tells us how often. But how long are we to do it? Until he comes. In other words, he's just asking us to let it serve as a marker in our lives that 2,000 years ago he went to a cross and died so that you and I could have the opportunity to come into the kingdom of heaven. And I tell you what, heaven awaits, every, or I mean eternity awaits us all. But heaven awaits those who have called on his name. Amen? And so he, he institutes this ordinance we call communion to help us to remember the life that he gave, his own, so that you and I could have life here today. You know, let's not disappoint Jesus. You know, let's live our lives for him. Amen? I'm telling you what, praise God. Let, let the heart, our hearts be ambitious and zealous for what it is that heaven cares about. And really, at the end of the day, you guys, the only thing that heaven's interested in is in people. Are you with me? We're going to get a new heaven, new earth. All of creation's groaning in travail, waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. We're going to start all over. It's going to be awesome. You know? So in the meantime, let's be found doing what it is that he would call us to do. Amen? And I believe, praise God, that in the end, we'll all be glad. You say, aren't you glad you went across the street, talked to that cat? Aren't you glad you went down the road there and did that thing, you know, or you stopped here and helped them or whatever the case might be? Are you with me? Because I tell you what, praise God, we're living in the last days. So he gave us something to remember as we march down the road of, or the path called life. And uh, I'll just tell you guys, people with conviction, they keep going. I don't know about you, but I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep preaching the gospel. I'm going to keep reaching out. I'm, kind of, I'm going to keep doing whatever it is that I can to convince people that the kingdom of heaven is real and that Jesus is real and that he's coming again. And that's real. Hallelujah. Amen. And hopefully in the context of that, they'll say, you know, I think I need some of that. And I'll say, yes, you do. And you'll say, yes, you do. Amen. There's a, there's a great opportunity here for us, you guys. While all the rest of the world is reeling, and they are, if we'll come to a place of having real genuine peace in our heart, in the knowledge of what we know our futures hold, I'm telling you what, it'll speak volumes. You know, people say, well, aren't you afraid? Well, no, not really. Why? Because my Redeemer lives. Are you listening to me? Don't be afraid. Listen, 
don't be afraid. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Refuse to allow, don't give in to fear. God hasn't given you the spirit of fear, but power and love. And he's given you, thank God, a sound mind. Amen? Amen. Aren't you glad Jesus kept going? Huh? Aren't you glad he was faithful to the end? Guys, she had a lot of opportunities to quit. He sure did. You know, I was just thinking about it, you know, when we were coming to church. The Bible says that he was despised and rejected of men. Nobody gets a charge out of being rejected. And the only way, think about it, you know, he couldn't, he couldn't get it from the people that he was trying to, to reach and to minister to. The only way he could, you know, get the, call it inspiration or determination or whatever you want to call it, the only way he could get it is because of what he knew who for the joy before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is now seated at the right hand of the Father. Consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against yourself, lest you be weary and want to faint in your mind. Oh, I know, you know, climate isn't the, you know, the very best right now, but praise God, we still have opportunity, don't we? Amen. We're still, of all people, most blessed. Glory be to God. Let's take advantage of it. Would you pray with me? Father, we love you today. Thank you so much, Father God, for the promises that you've made in your living word. And Father, for what Jesus said, that he's coming again, that there's a place he's preparing for us, and not only that, that there's a plan for our lives as we move into eternity. God, I pray for every person here. God, may they be encouraged in what it is that you have planned for them. Help them, Father God, to realign and, and refocus, Father, on the things that are, that are eternal. And I just thank you, Father, for your blessing in their lives. Help them, Father, to keep going in their parenting. Help them to keep going in their married relationships. Help them to keep going in what it is that they do that they're putting their hands to, Father. Cause all of it to prosper, glory to God, because of the application of principles that are found within your word. I thank you, Father, for strengthening them. Oh, strengthening them. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord.